church, our Lord said, Why are you persecuting me? So Christ is still on the cross. Behold, I stand at the door of God. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. You're listening to Behold the Man with your host, Joe McLean. And I don't want to live without you. Buenos dias, que tal? Welcome back to Behold the Man. I'm your host, Joe McLean. Great to be back with you this week. That was the single, Despite, from the album I Won't Back Down by Greg Walton. It's a great song, I thought. It sets the stage for what I hope to talk about tonight. Do you need a little something more from God? Do you feel desperate, lonely, suffering, unworthy? I mean, you have faith, but you just need a little something more. I mean, you, you participate in the sacraments all the time, every week, right? You go to confession, you receive our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament, you have the church, you pray to our, our His Mother, Our Lady, but yet you still feel something is missing and you need just a little more. Well, today we're going to be talking about that. It's about, despite the fact that I'm broken and shattered and lonely, I still trust in you. I still give it all over to you. Even when I don't understand, I give it all over to you, Lord. That's today's topic. It's about praying boldly. It's about experiencing God as Father. So let's begin. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, all gracious and glorious and powerful God, we come before you humbly, unworthily, seeking your grace. Look past our iniquity, dear Father, and bestow your grace upon us. Send forth your angels to guide and walk with us, to help us on this journey as we sojourn through this life, looking forward to that day when we are joined with you perfectly 
intimately in the beatific vision for all eternity to praise and honor you, our dear Father. Send forth your Holy Spirit to inspire us in this show, to give us the grace that we need to hear your word and let it soak into our hearts and then change our actions for your will and glory alone. For all those who are broken, who are desperate, lonely, suffering, God, send them a sign to shore up their faith. Show them that you love them so desperately that you would send them your only begotten to die, to rise, and to give us his body, the church. We thank you for this gift, and we seek your love. We ask for the intercession of our dear mother. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. In St. John's Gospel, in chapter 20, starting around verse 24, John tells us of, of how when our Lord, after his resurrection, appeared to his disciples. And there was a, a specific occasion when Thomas, who was one of the twelve, was not there. And so we read about that, starting in verse 24 of the 20th chapter of St. John's Gospel. Quote, now Thomas, one of the twelve, was called the twin, was not with him when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails, and place my finger in the mark of the nails, and place my hand in his side, I will not believe. Now eight, day, eight days later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with him. The doors were shut, but Jesus came and stood among them, and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, and see my hands, and put out your hand, and place it in my side. Do not be faithless, but believing. Thomas, answering him, said, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. What an interesting story we have, because we see on one hand, Jesus exhorting those to believe even when they do not see, even when they cannot touch it, smell it, taste it wrap their their arms around it and bear hug it you must believe you know one of the big reasons one of the, the foremost reasons why i believe what the church teaches on the doctrine of the eucharist that jesus christ is truly present body blood soul and divinity there in the accidents of bread and wine yes our eyes see bread our eyes see wine our tongues taste bread our tongues taste wine but our senses can be fooled one of the most the principal reason why i believe jesus is truly there is because he said so now ultimately i don't need any more but the reality is i'm weak I'm human, I'm frail. And so God, knowing that I'm weak, I'm human, and I'm frail, has given me more. Because he knows 
that he loves us like little children. He sees us like I see my four-year-old little daughter. When I see her, my heart is moved with compassion for her. And when she asks me for things, I'm wanting to give to her those things to shore up her faith, her reassurance, her love for me, her father. And if I who feel this way and I am wicked, how much more would God our Father feel this way and give good gifts to his children? That's the underlying principle, because even though Jesus says you should believe without having seen, smelt, touched, or, you know, felt any of that, and yet still he provides these things so that Thomas will be believing, so that he will be shored up in his faith. Thomas needed a little something extra from God, and God, because he loves Thomas, gave it to him. Now. Is it more heroic to have faith without needing the proof? Well, of course. But we are his children, and he will not deny his children when his children come and seek it from him. This is the underlying principle. For an article I wrote recently, and I I posted it on my website, www.catholichack.com, the article is entitled, Pray Boldly and Ask God for a Sign. We talked about this just briefly back in this season of Advent when uh, on one of those Advent shows, I, I, I brought this up and I exhorted you to pray boldly and ask God for a sign. Because in October of 2004, I went on a Curcio retreat weekend. Now, if you're familiar with Curcio, it's a three-day retreat that basically allows you to experience the Holy Spirit, allows you to experience God, and to shore up your faith and to motivate you and send you out back into the parish and get you just fired up to take an active role in your faith, to no longer be a sideline, uh, fair-weather Catholic. No, take your faith seriously and take action in, you know, to evangelize your environment. That Crisio weekend was a powerful experience in my life. It is partly the reason why I have done all the things that I have done, not to boast or to toot my own horn, but because I am a very active Catholic and I am very active in evangelization. A lot of that has to do with that Crisio weekend when when I encountered God and he motivated me to to not just sit around idly, but to go into my fourth day. Go into that fourth day to evangelize my environments. And that's what I try to do every single day. And I utilize radio and the internet and my relationships, not only in the home, but outside of the home. Family, friends, workplaces. We always must be looking for those opportunities to to give that hope for the reason that lies within. Well, during that weekend, it was a powerful experience because you encounter the love of God for you. And I don't know about you, but me, I struggle sometimes with being overscrupulous. Yeah, I sometimes feel completely unworthy of God's love. And that weekend, it was so intense. By the Sunday morning of the retreat, I was outside of this uh, retreat center. It was the Sardo Retreat Center up there in Hooksit, New Hampshire. And I was standing outside, out back behind the building, and there was an uh, an old gray weathered wooden cross there it had a white veil you know on you know streaming off of it fluttering in the wind and there was these three huge rusty nails in the cross 
And I just sat there and I looked at this cross and the tears began to stream down my face. And I said, I'm not worthy. God, how can you love a guy like me? I mean, really, if you knew me, Lord, you'd know I am not worthy of your love, of your care, of your compassion, of your time. Oh, yeah, I know that the other men in the retreat center, they're worth your love. They're worthy. They're good men. Me, I'm not a good man, dear dear Father. I'm not worth your time. I'm not worth you sending the Holy Spirit. I am not worthy of these gifts. Oh, yes, I know that the homeless people down the street, they're worthy of, of your love. They're good people. Oh, yes, I know that the prostitutes who used to inhabit that retreat center just a few years before, yes, they were worthy of your love, but not me. I am broken. I am a sinner. I was not worthy. And I said it. And I cried. And I was a bit angry, shaking my fist at that cross. But God persisted. And he allowed me to experience a great peace. And it just came upon me like a a blanket covering me in warmth. And I felt God's presence. There was no flashing lights or voices. None of that. No visions of any kind. Really, just an immense sense of peace and God reassuring me. I do love you. I experienced God as my father as my father. Now, I had prayed many times, our father. We've all prayed that prayer, right? But how often have you experienced God as your father? And so, during this retreat weekend, our retreat, um, the guy who led the retreat, his name is Wayne. Wayne was a great guy. He still is a great guy. Wayne said something to me that was very profound and kind of caught me off guard. He looked at me and said, Joe, God has eternity. You do not. Hmm, I thought. Well, that's interesting. I never thought about it that way. Yeah, God does have eternity, and my time is somewhat limited, at least here on earth. He said, Joe, when you pray to God, your Father, pray boldly. Don't let him decide in his good time. He has eternity. You do not. Give him a timeline. Pray boldly. Ask God for a sign. Wow. No way. Are you kidding me? (laughs) No, 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 no. I will not test the Lord our God. No, no, I will not put God to the test. No, not me. Uh Uh-uh. I sat there and I just, I, I really struggled with that. How could we put God to the test? Pray boldly, Wayne exhorted. God has eternity and you do not. Well, you know, this reminds me of an occasion with my four-year-old daughter. One day, just before Christmas, I was putting her to sleep and I tucked her in bed and and she looked up at me and said, Daddy, do you know why I love you? I thought, wow, this is going to be great. She's going to tell me I'm the greatest daddy in the world. And wow, this is going to be awesome. And I said, no, honey, no, no. Uh, why do you love me? Because you buy me things. Whoa, that was not the answer that I was really wanting or hoping for. I think I put together something like, well, honey, I mean, I hope you love me even if I don't buy you things. See, to her, she loves her father. And when her father showers her with gifts and affection, it reassures her. 
It builds her up. She feels closer to her father. And so she is, you know, she has no shame in coming to me and asking me for things. For example, just the other week, just about a week ago, I was going out to the grocery store. And just before I left, she came up to me, Daddy, I need you to buy me something. Really, I thought, honey. Uh, what is that, sweet pea? She, she scrunched up her, you know, her nose and lifted her, her eyebrow and tapped her little index finger on her lip as she sat there and thought, hmm, what, what, what can I ask Daddy for? And then she says to me, I need you to buy me a jack-in-the-box. I said, okay, honey, I'll see what I can do. No, Daddy, I need you to buy me the jack-in-the-box tonight when you go to the store. Okay, honey, I'll, let me see what I can do. You see, she, she, didn't, she didn't shy away from coming to her father and asking him for just this little gift, a sign. Because to her, that is an opportunity to feel closer to her father. Now, I am a good father, at least I would hope so, and I know what gifts are good for her and what gifts are not good for her. I am wise enough to know what might harm her and what might do her good. So even though she can, she asks me for these things, I should know what to give and what to hold back. And if I know this, and I am wicked, how much more does God the Father, who is all good and all loving, know how to give good gifts to His children? When we approach our Father like a little child, we're asking Him not for proof, we're asking Him for love and reassurance. We want to experience Him in our life as our Father as my father, not just our father, but my father, your father. You need a little something extra, don't you? This life is a, it's a tricky and complex life, isn't it? We don't get through the day without, without all the baggage that comes with it. We try to be good. We have the intent and the will to be good, but our execution of that somewhat falters, doesn't it? By the end of the day, we feel somewhat broken and jaded, lost and hurt. Some of us suffer greatly, and we wonder, especially if our loved ones, our wives, our husbands, sons, daughters, moms and dads, maybe they're dying, and we're seeking God for the answer. Why? God is ready. He is ready to give you what you need, an experience of Him as your father. Now, that doesn't mean he takes away your cross. That doesn't mean he takes away the suffering. But it means as he builds you up, he gives you the assurance that you need desperately. As you approach him, as his little child, he will embrace you. He will hold you closely. And he will shore up your faith. Again, we're not seeking proof here. We're seeking his love, his acceptance, his presence in our life. So coming off that retreat weekend in October of 2004, we were heading into an election year, a presidential election. And on the line was some very high stakes. On my heart was the the issue that rages in this country over abortion. For me, the slaughter, the wholesale slaughter of millions of innocent lives is the preeminent issue. And I am not I am not willing to discuss any other issue until we have ceased the slaughter of the innocents. And so for me, I was very nervous. That year, a, a candidate who was 
for abortion. A pro-choice candidate was very likely to win, and I was very nervous. It would overturn four years of of pro-life progress in this country. And so I prayed, and I put this praying boldly and asking God for a sign to the test. I didn't tell anybody, not a soul. And every single day, I prayed to God, and I said, God, send forth your mother here to the United States, just as if you sent her to Fatima and elsewhere. Let her appear here. Let her put an end to the culture of death and bring about the culture of life. As if that was not bold enough, I then gave him a timeline. Father, I need you to send your mother, and she needs to come before the election. I put that prayer to the test. Every day, from the day I left Crescio, entered into my fourth day, and all the way to the day of the election, every day I told no one what I was doing. I simply prayed the prayer. Now, in Isaiah chapter 7, we are told of a, of a, a time when the king of the Israelites, King Ahaz, was surrounded by the enemy at the gate. There was this enemy under King Aram. He was just outside of Jerusalem, and he was amassing an army, and he wanted to defeat the Israelite nation. And King Ahaz, now his faith was pretty weak. He didn't trust in God. And his people were scared and nervous. And he didn't do anything to shore up their faith. He didn't do anything to instill confidence, to gather the troops, to speak eloquently, to inspire them and say, let's go and face that enemy and take them out. No, instead he was scared and nervous. And that fear ripped through the people of Israel. And so what happened? God sent Isaiah to King Ahaz and says, Shh, buddy, you know, hey, enough with the nervousness stuff. Enough with the cowardice. You know, hey, it's time to toughen up. Trust God. God won't stand for this. God's not going to allow this enemy at the gate there just outside Jerusalem to come in here and slaughter his people. God is in charge and he's sitting on the throne, King Ahaz. So, you know, hey, buck up, buddy. Your people are scared. You're their king. Reassure them. No, that didn't work because King Ahaz was still pretty nervous. And so what does he say here in chapter 7, starting in verse 10 of Isaiah? Quote, Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men, that you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a young woman shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. You see what's going on there? Ahaz. Come on, the people are scared. You can't allow that. Get out there and instill some confidence. Rally the troops. Be the king. Oh, no, uh, uh, you know, they're, they're at the gate. I'm surrounded on all sides. What do we do? What do we do? 
All right, King Ahaz, look, the Lord God wants you to ask for a sign. He wants you to pray boldly. He has a sign. Just ask him for one. Let him reassure your faith. Experience God personally today that you might then be filled and inspired with God and you might then go out and inspire the people that they might not fear because fear is of the devil. Oh, no, he says, I will not test the Lord God. No, 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 not me. Fine, King A has been. If you're not going to ask him for one, he's going to give you one anyway. What is his sign? His sign is not a weak and cowardly king. No, 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 no. His sign will be that a virgin shall betroth and bear a son. Okay, and this virgin... She'll have, a, she'll have a boy, and that boy will be king, and that king will be the king of kings and the lord of lords. And unlike you, King Ahasben, now I'm adding the Ahasben part, I'm having a little fun with that, but unlike you there, King Ahaz, this king, he will not cower when the enemy is at the gate just outside Jerusalem. Unlike you, he will inspire, he will instill confidence, he will comfort the people. Now, we see that actually come to fulfillment, basically, in the Gospels. Luke chapter 1, we see how the angel Gabriel announces to the Our Lady there that she will conceive and bear a son. She is the fulfillment of this, the virgin, the young woman who shall conceive and bear this son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Those are the words of the angel Gabriel to Our Lady. But furthermore, if you skip forward to St. John's Gospel, chapter 18, there, across the Kidron Valley, uh, after our Lord started the Passover meal and then interrupted it after the third cup and goes across the Kidron Valley to the Garden of Gethsemane and there in a garden praying to the Father, Father, if this, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. He prays that three times and then he wakes up his disciples because they failed to stay awake with him and he looks out and a mob is coming his way and he goes out and he meets them unlike King Ahaz who cowers. Unlike Adam, who in a garden cowered and hid in a bush, unlike them, Jesus doesn't cower. He faces them, says, who are you looking for? Jesus of Nazareth, they reply. And he looks him in the eye and says, I am. Ego a me. I am who am. And they fall on their backsides. The boldness, the courage, it's obvious. Unlike King Ahaz, Jesus, who fulfills this, he is confident. He instills he, he, he instills an inspiration in his men. He even tells St. Peter there in John 18, Put down your sword. Shall I not drink from the cup that my father has given me to drink? No, I will drink it. No, I will face the enemy just outside Jerusalem, the enemy at the gate. I will face them and I will be victorious because God is the God who sits on the throne. He is the creator of all. And he does not lose. That is what Isaiah tried to get King Ahaz to understand, but he failed to do it. That is praying boldly. That is what God has instilled for you today. You can pray boldly and ask God for a sign. He has one to give you. Now, back in 2004, the election day came in November, and I had been praying every single day that Our Lady would come and appear in the United States before the election and put an end to the culture of death. I never saw her. 
That night of the election, I watched TV and they showed the candidates, President Bush in the White House with his friends and his family. They were sitting on the couch and President Bush was sitting on an armchair next to a coffee table with a big lamp. They were there watching all the returns come in. And then they showed John Kerry off also watching. Both sides felt that they were going to win. I went to bed that night, never having seen Our Lady. The next morning, I get up, I drive to work. I'm depressed. I didn't see Our Lady. He didn't provide me the sign. It didn't work. I get to my desk. And there, I'm watching online. On foxnews.com, I'm watching the video stream of the returns because I wanted to know who was going to win. And I got an email from my wife that said, Have you seen the picture of Our Lady in the White House? What? Picture of Our Lady in the what? Where? The Virgin? Are you sure? I never told her I was praying. Never. I quickly went and looked for the video. I saw the video from the night before in the White House. There was President Bush. And next to him on the coffee table was an icon of Our Lady holding her infant son. God gave me the sign. It was significant only to me, but he gave it to me because God is not just our Father. God is my Father. And he wants to give you a sign too. So pray boldly. Ask God for a sign. Give Him a timeline. Not because you want proof. No, an evil generation seeks a sign for proof. That's the sign of Jonah. That's Matthew 16.4. No, we believe. But Lord, help our unbelief. Approach Him as your... Approach Him as His little child. Ask Him for a sign. Pray boldly. For He has one to give you. I'm praying for you. So please pray for me. May God richly bless you. From the Catholic Underground.